Welcome to My Secret Obsession. I'm Cherish Lively. Today we are speaking with Susie Harrison. She has over 40 books that span several genres. At the end of the interview, we'll listen to the first two chapters of Kidnapping Emma. Hi, Susie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on here. And I'll let the um, our listeners know that this is the third time we are recording this. Um, we yeah. had some trouble, and hopefully we're using a different um, platform, and hopefully this time it will actually record. But I want to thank you, Susie, for being so understanding and um, positive as we've had to do this several times. I appreciate that. Well, we're learning so much more every time. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes, we are, for sure. Last time you um, told a very special story about your dad, and I think that would be nice if you wanted to do that again. Is there anything about you that you want to tell us about, something in your past or just your writing and how you came, became an author? Feel free to tell us what you do. I think all of us authors, including you, probably started writing young. We probably had great imaginations not much for outlet back then, you yeah. know? Yeah. And special for my father because he did just pass away a little while back. And I shared this at the Baptist funeral. <laughs> I was eight and I had my first notepad and my little pencil, like my handy dandy notebook. So it was a nice hot day and I had my little notebook and I just wanted to write, you know, kind of like, our personalities just want to write something. Right. So I couldn't think of anything on the fly. So I started writing what I thought were cuss words, were no-no words in the house. Yeah. And looking back, they weren't that bad. Maybe body parts I'd heard about from kids at school. You know, maybe damn. I hope yeah. I can say that here because <laughs> I would get slapped by my father. But I wrote down all those little words I wasn't allowed to say. Right. Mm -hmm. It was a nice day. And then I'm sitting under the tree and my mom calls me in for lunch and I drop everything and I'm eating my lunch and, and telling my mom all about something. And then I hear the lawnmower. <laughs> and at first I'm like, oh, cool. Daddy's mowing the lawn. And then I remember my notebook is out there with all those bad words. <laughs> and my heart starts counting. I mean, I literally wrote this story for his funeral. And this, my heart starts pounding, knowing that any minute my father could scream my name. I was in so much trouble. But it wasn't him being angry. It was the look of disappointment right? that always was You'd rather be spanked back then, or you'd rather be put in timeout. You didn't want that look of disappointment right. from your <laughs> And my, I was so nervous. I couldn't finish my sandwich. I even peeked out the window, and he was looking at it. The lawnmower had stopped, and he was reviewing every single word. And I, I was just so afraid. I didn't want to see him disappointed in me. But then he said it, he mowed over that spot and he set it back down with my pencil and continued. And when he came in, I waited all day for that look of disappointment, you know? Right. And not once, not once looked at me odd. He was cheerful. He let it go because my father, of course, was wise. And he knew I was just a child. 
and he didn't say anything to my mother and it was like it never happened right but that was my first attempt at writing <laughs> and it went well <laughs> yeah uh, and like i said earlier i'm thinking that maybe that initial dirty word list which wasn't that bad <laughs> probably inspired me to make some write some dark romance later on in my life that, that's right yeah. <laughs> you know it's funny because you know as kids we do we always want to please our parents or we want to make them proud of us. So I can just imagine your little heart pounding, you know, and, and being afraid of, Oh no, am I going to get in trouble? Or is he going to be disappointed in me? But you know, his re his response was just so perfect. And what a great story to, to remember him by, by being a kind and loving man, you know, yeah. that is great. I love that. You have so many books and I know you have a lot of different genres with those books. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those and why you chose to write certain things at different times? Probably around 2010 when I was young, I wrote a couple of true stories and they were on the market. Back then, we didn't have as much of opportunity. Right. But they were true stories. And one was Innocent Insights, Cute Things That Kids Say. And I got mothers from all over the U.S. to contribute and offered them a free book if they contributed. So that was my biggest sale was myself buying their free books. So then in 2017, just before leaving for vacation in a place where we would have no internet, I downloaded, it was popular then to have the post-apocalyptic stories. Right. Where everything's prepping and there's a big CME and the power goes out and at, you know, different scenarios. Right. Like that was really popular in 2017. And um, I downloaded some of those, but I downloaded P.A. Gillespie and the Power Out series. And she was the only other woman at the time. Most of them were men and they had great stories too. Right. But I listened to her three and I had actually started a story before I even left on vacation. And I listened to her three on audibles and I loved her narrator. She's very sassy. And I just dreamed, I said to myself, you know, I, I've always wanted to write books. I already started a story like this. Mm -hmm. This is right up my alley. Cause I thought about prepping. And after listening to her books, I thought, wow, what if I could, you know, write a trilogy like she did? And what if I could even get the same narrator? And then I thought, there's just no way she's got to be famous and rich. Right. Mm -hmm. Who am I to think that I can do that? And that was in May. We got home. And in June, I finished After the Waves. And in July, I finished. And August, I finished the other two. And within a month, I had her narrator reading my books on Audible's. And her aunt was my professional editor on all my books for years. In fact, we're, about, we're good friends today. So it's just amazing when you think something is impossible. But if you're driven enough, you can achieve it. Right. You know? And I had a similar kind of story with a friend, an author friend of mine, Terza. She was one of the first authors I noticed on Bella, and she had all these likes, and she was top faved. And oh, I'd like to be like her someday. But you know, she's famous, she's popular. Yeah. Today, Blood Rain, that one in the Kindle Bella Madness, is now next to hers in all our categories. And I'm not as good as her, but it feels 
feels like an honor to be there. Right. Yeah. And it kind of makes you understand that if you work hard enough, it's amazing the things that you can accomplish if you're driven. Right. You know, exactly. a little rebellious like me, you know. That is amazing. And how nice of her to like reach out and help you. Um that's yeah. fabulous. It was really surprising because I admired her. I don't didn't think she knew who I was. I left comments. And she contacted me and held my hand along with a few others like Kate and Janae. Mm -hmm. And there's so many. The authors there, at least on the Facebook groups, the, everybody is amazing. Yeah, they are. It is nice. And that's one thing I've loved about being on the Vela platform and now also with doing the podcast is I am getting to know some of these authors. And it's fun to, to hear their different stories and see how a lot of us, you know, even though we have a love for writing, you know, we have different background stories that lead us to it. And it's kind of fun to see that and to hear that and, and see how people are helping others with their writing skills. So I'm really glad yeah. you were able to do that. And what, it, what an example also as a mom to your kids and to other authors that, you know what, if you work really hard, you can make it happen. It can, you just have to stick with it. And um, if you do the best you can, that you can probably do it and be successful in the way that you hope that you can be. Yeah. Very inspiring. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to be driven. And another thing I like about Book World, if I could say this, is everybody leaves politics out of everything. And so it's a safe place to go. Yes. You don't have, when you want to escape television or cable news or streaming, things that are going on in the world, you just go on to Book World because nobody's going to talk about that. We have our own worlds we live in and it doesn't include this one <laughs> yeah that's true yeah because it's best not to bring up that stuff and well you have to think you're gonna either way you're gonna offend 50 percent of your audience so never bring that up <laughs> right exactly yeah because it, it is such a bell curve of how people view things that you're right you don't want to offend 50 percent of your audience and it oh i really appreciate the fact that everybody there can love each other you know, you can have that friendship love with everyone yes. and you don't have to introduce anything from the real world that is so divisive. It's just a safe place to go and just enjoy your, we have our own imagination. We have bigger problems in the world, but we can fix them because we write the end of the story. You know? That's right. That's true. That's great. That's a great way to look at it. Control we have of our destiny right now. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great point. My, my apocalyptic one was a bestseller. In fact, it was number, the second book was number two in men's adventure. Can you wow. That? That's incredible. Yeah, I wrote the badass chick in that one. Uh -huh. And the guys liked her, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked to see it at number two for about a month. And then it just blew me away. Awesome. Anyway, so that one did really well. I was actually on the bestsellers list on Amazon for a couple of months. I remember getting 47,500 KNEP reads either a day or a week. It was just, and I thought that was normal. That is incredible. That <laughs> That's incredible. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of had a little, it kind of took everything out of me. But then I, I sat down and I wrote this cute little story about five or six chapters and it was just doing it for fun. Mm -hmm. And um, then I took it to some family members and my, my boy's dad and let him read it thinking, oh, it's kind of pretentious. It's 
kind of silly. They're not going to like it. And everybody in my family fell in love with it. Oh, that's awesome. And that was, that's the kidnap. Well, that's the Emma series, the kidnapping Emma Stone, the hunting Emma, Emma. Well, it was kidnapping Emma Stone. And then I realized there was somebody already named that. So I dropped the stone. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, um, things we have to look for when we're writing, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't even realize it. No. Mm-hmm. There's actually a movie called Kidnapping Emma Stone that was done before I even wrote mine. Wow, and I bet you didn't even know that. I mean. You had no clue. Yeah, that's fun. So I took, dropped that. And I actually published that one, but then I pulled it back a couple years later to rewrite it and, mm-hmm. and added some sequels to it and it's funny because as I told you I'm I don't feel like I'm a romantic person mm-hmm. you know and I don't think I'm really funny I mean maybe goofy in an accidental sort of way so when I'm writing it my family's actually laughing in parts yeah and my family's the one that said what housewife doesn't dream of accidentally being kidnapped from her life that does sound kind of cool. <laughs> you know, it's it's that escaping the humdrum or the the constant routine of okay, breakfast, then lunch, then dinner, laundry. You end up in a situation where situation where, hey, what if he just keeps me? <laughs> and then it kind of brings in a little romance, but uh-huh. it's not serious at all. Right. You know? Yeah, no one really wants to be kidnapped. <laughs> But it's fiction yeah, and exactly. it's fun and it's not nefarious. He's not like kidnapping you to cause her harm or anything well, like that. And that's what I liked about him because um, for the listeners, you will hear the first two chapters of Kidnapping Emma. And what I liked about him was that he was kind of conflicted of what to do with her because he accidentally, you know, he accidentally kidnaps her um, when he steals a car and he's kind of stuck with, I can't let her go because she's going to tell people about me and, you know, she's seen me but I don't want to kill her. So, you know, he's kind of conflicted of what does he need to do? Cause you know, you get the feeling that he's not really a bad guy. You know, I don't know, you know, people yeah. around kidnapping people, but you know, he's not really a bad guy. It's almost more like there was a situational thing that now he's stuck and she's kind of stuck. And, you know, she's starting to think back to, you know, all the things about her life that she doesn't really like. And she feels kind of like she's never had, She's never been able to make her own decision. Right. Her, her, her marriage was planned by the time she was graduating at 17. Yeah. And she's never had any, and she dreamed of adventure. Yeah. She'd always wanted to have adventure. And what I like, and I don't, I don't want to leave that this out, is that what I find funny is in book two, everywhere she goes, more and more people are trying to find her. <laughs> so that's why the second book, Hunting Emma, and she has no idea. Right, that these people are looking for her. So long, but people are looking for her for money. They're looking for her for love. They're looking for her, you know, bring her home. They're looking, you know, the husband's very nefarious himself. So it's really kind of funny to watch that every place she leaves and goes is more people trying to find her. Okay. That's, that's funny. He doesn't know. So a lot of what Emma's, the whole thing is about is that Emma is just having a lot of strange, odd luck by escaping. 
<laughs> yep. And nothing she does is really intentional. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's kind of like fumbling from one situation to the next. And it's kind of, that's part of the humor. There was one part, and maybe you can tell us about it, with the five-finger death punch um, from the first yeah. book. And I noticed it, and I, it, it caught my eye the first time I read it. And I thought, oh, I bet she's referring to something else. If you want to tell us about that. Yeah, it was. I think it's in the first chapter, but uh, you know, there's a little struggle because she thinks maybe she should run in her high-heeled boots in the sand in the middle of the desert, and her feet are still half asleep, and so she tries to take off, and they have a little struggle because again, he doesn't know what to do either. Right. And he doesn't want her to die in the desert, you know. Right. So they have a little struggle, and and she's you know she's a swimmer but that's it she doesn't go to the gym so how do you take on this this big guy you right. know mm-hmm. and so just and this was a fluke when I wrote it because I was just panstering you know and, she, and so she does the five finger movements on his chest so he pulls back and said what was that <laughs> the five finger death punch she goes, but it didn't work. And he goes, but you haven't been trained by the master, Uma. Yeah. Referring to Uma Thurman, the actor who plays, it, the actress that plays in Kill Bill. Right. And she goes, it's Emma, not Uma. <laughs> I thought that was cute. I liked that. And, um, and I'm sure there are some people who get it. And then some people, you know, if you haven't seen that movie or didn't hear much about it, it wouldn't have connected with you. But, you know, it's fun to kind of do some of those hints or peeks into other people's uh movies or books that people might know about so, right, right. anyway so it does get steamy but the first half the first half of the first book is fine um and it's not dark romance in these for the most part it is just romance and mm-hmm. kind of steamy and detailed but i write it in chapters when i do so that you can skip over it if it's too much for you because okay. i learn to write it very detailed because mm-hmm. I kind of researched it all. Uh-huh. Um, and my mom, <laughs> my mom wanted to read that so bad because she knew about it in 2018. <laughs> I didn't pull it out till last year for Vela and the, or no, I didn't do it for Vela. I did it paperback. Um, but my mom actually didn't tell me she lives in another state. And my sister told me that she went to Barnes and Nobles and bought them. Oh, that is awesome. On her coffee table. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hoping that her Baptist, you know, friends don't come and, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, it's awesome that she supported you and, you know, saw it. and was she like, always oh. has. Yeah. She always told me you know, that I, she didn't know where I got my creativity from and how I thought up all these crazy plots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I want to say this because I've left this out. I remember telling my school counselor, I was a bit of a rebel anyway, but my school counselor is like trying to give me a career, secretary, uh, this, that, you know, and I just found that all boring. Yeah. And I did say to her once, I said, well, I just have a big imagination. So someday I'm going to find a way to sell that. Right. And she laughed so hard. Honey, nobody's going to pay you a dime for that. <laughs> and now I'd like to call her up, but I don't think she's here anymore and say, hey, guess what? <laughs> I'm getting more than a dime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, and, and you know, because so often to be successful in the arts, it's really tough. 
you know, you have a, it's a lot of competition out there. You know, there are only so many spots. Uh, like when I think about actors and actresses, it is tough. And so I can understand how somebody's like, oh man, that's going to be a hard field to make it in. But, you know, it's awesome when, when you do make it, you know, when, when your hard work pays off. Well, I, I got my associate's degree in paralegal and I, for about five years, I did some volunteer work and I had to write press releases to the media. And like I said before, I, I, some of my press releases were published in Los Angeles Times and CNN and a lot of local news channels would cover some of the, the families that I was trying to help, you know, with my legal skills. So that actually helped me all that basic writing. But when I write now, I basically am writing for myself to escape. Yeah. I, I, I know that I don't, didn't expect to be as successful really as I became. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect the income. I was writing to create a world to escape in that's different from Earth, different politics, different problems. And it was my way of coping with everything going on. We all have our ways. And so I didn't write to necessarily become a bestseller and make lots of money, although that would be very nice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I sort of have accomplished that. But I think it's just being able to create a world. And then you have to pray somebody wants to to come visit the world you created. Yeah. Oh, can you explain what dark romance is? Not everybody might know. And I know there's a lot of sometimes a gray line between like steamy romance and erotica. And um, maybe you can define some of those or give us a better idea of what those genres are. I've actually written in the post-apocalyptic, and that was pretty clean. Those were pretty clean. Then I re- started re- kidnapping Emma. Does have some steamy stuff in it, um, and then I've also I write fantasy. Okay, erotica is something different. Erotica is where the sex is the story. If you take out the sex, there is no story. I don't write that. Um, Dark romance is where there are morally gray characters, but it's a wide range of events. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything like whips or chains. That's just, just eh, no. Mm-hmm. Dark romance usually includes a little, it usually has a bad guy in it or a dominant male. Some people like to call them toxic males. I don't see men like that. Mm-hmm. I like men with testosterone, you know. <laughs> right. But it can be anywhere it can be a, ro- a regular romance with an age gap where the guy is 15 years older than the girl. That could be considered dark romance. Okay. Um, but mine are always either fantasy, sci-fi. That's basically what I write, dystopian. And it, with a main event happening and there's always a main theme that's nothing to do with romance. Okay. But even in life, you will note that when big things happen, men and women pair off and they end up in relationships, even in dystopia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Relationships are a natural side effect of life. Right. So mine might be fantasy sci-fi, but then I will include the dark romance genre because there's usually a good boy and a bad boy. And when you include a bad boy, you, you leave that 
more falls under the category of a dark romance. Okay. Mm-hmm. The thing is, in real life, a lot of young women, and I warn at the beginning of my books, never date or make your dating decisions off a book. <laughs> that is for sure. You know, and that is so true. Mm-hmm. But in real life, the bad boy is the guy that you fall for hard because he's just strong and tough and different than all the other guys and he maybe makes you feel different than all the other guys Mm -hmm. but he ends up breaking your heart in the real world right yeah but in my quote-unquote dark romance the bad boy who has all those things and they're usually a little more dominant they don't break your heart they fall in love with you right and there's there's this famous saying and i don't know where it came from that says the bad boy, the good guy will sacrifice you to save the entire world. The bad boy will sat, will burn the whole world down just to have you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the premise I go off of. But darker romance usually includes maybe a little rougher stuff. And there's such a wide range. Right. It's hard to say which dark romance is, is a, that that fits you or which dark romance fits somebody with a bigger imagination. And you realize that dark romance can be compared to horror Mm -hmm. because people watch horror movies and in horror movies, there's great fear. People get murdered. I mean, it's worse than dark romance. People are getting slaughtered with chainsaws and stuff. Right. Exactly. But people enjoy watching it. You know why? Because that doesn't happen in the real world. And you can watch it from the safety of your sofa with your throw and your ice cream or popcorn. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The dark romance is not as bad as horror, you know, but whatever happens in those books might be things that you mentally would say, oh, that sounds kind of cool, but you would never do in real life. Right. And that's what it kind of interesting and fun you know it's the escapism in a sense you can exactly you can safely dabble in something just in your mind and you don't really have to do it in real life but you get to kind of experience it in a way through the novel right I was nervous about writing it in the beginning but now it's just fun yeah you know it's almost like a war scene when I go back to edit I have to look for the right synonyms and yeah. homonyms and things so now it's be it becomes work but I actually find it fun to write and I push my limits and I have beta readers that make me push my limits yeah well that's so, awesome they have beta readers too that's fabulous we never had those before no beta readers, no alpha readers or arc readers. We just had to do it. Yeah. We had to write it without any help. And I only have one had one beta reader and she strictly has to tell me if it starts getting boring. That's all I want from her. <laughs> tell me if it's boring. Yeah. And you know, tell me if the chapter's boring so I can stack it step it up a notch. Right. Exactly. Um that's what I was gonna tell you earlier. This is an important thing to remember. On Amazon, Kindle, and worldwide, there is 3.5 trillion books available to be read. So when you go to Amazon and publish your book, you are competing with 3.5 trillion other books. That's incredible. If you go to Vela, you're you're competing with 1.3 million book stories. Yeah. I mean, you're a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Yeah. Audible's only has like, I believe last I read 100,000 books. 
So if you can get to the right genre on audibles that's popular, mm -hmm. such as romance and dark romance, and you get the right narrator, you could do very well, but you have to be very specific. And that's my next experiment. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. And I'm trying to work with the, the whole audio book too myself. Um, I'd love to be able to make them and sell them to authors so that they can also publish that on Audible. So I understand that it is kind of exciting to think that um, the podcast and doing the Audible books is kind of a new and up and coming thing. And hopefully people can benefit from listening to those and enjoying them and, and authors can help grow their readership. Audibles is really good. People don't know how to adjust to that. They think I've had Audibles there since 2017, and I think I have eight up there now. I'm going to get Kidnapping Emma Trilogy up there at some point this year. It's part of my goal. But Audibles is good because if you just stick earbuds in, you can do your laundry. You yeah. can go grocery shopping. And I have a lot of professional friends who won't don't have time to read my book because they have to drive an hour and a half to work. Right. There they is only listen to my audibles. Right. And they are good friends, but they don't have time. But but they've all listened to what I have, you know, while they were <laughs> driving to work. Right. And so to me, audibles is important. But you have to find the stuff on audibles. Like they actually extended a romance department where you can pay like $2.99 more to get all the romance. Oh. So that's a popular part. I like to analyze. I know I sound like a dumb blonde, but I really like to analyze a lot of the things I do, even my audience, because I actually have a 40% male audience. Can you believe that? That is interesting. Yeah. It is because the other 60% out of the females, 90% of them like the dark romance. So that's where I was going. Uh -huh. But I also kept my 60% or 40% of my male audience. So it must be good. Yeah. Because it's a roadmap. Oh. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. We don't always think of men as being romance readers because we kind of, we think about the, the women with the reading the book and, and, you know, Fabio is on the front cover and we don't think about men picking that up. But you know, I think men do enjoy romance too. And some of them well, even like it because they can maybe men, learn a thing. I think men like the darker romance maybe a little more because men aren't the romantic. I love this cowboy and he's sending me flowers. Men right. don't read those kind. But the darker romance gets right to business and they have strong male characters in there. And mm -hmm. if they really want to know how their woman might like things, they should actually read them. <laughs> exactly. They might learn a thing or two from these books for sure. Format. I mean, it's a red map. <laughs> can you tell us like the listeners where they can find you um, so that they can, you know, read more of your books and maybe connect with you on Facebook? Yeah. My Facebook is where I, I, I post most of my stuff now, including my video trailers. I love making video trailers for the books that are going to, you know, come available. Um, and that's author Susie, S-U-S-I-E Harrison on Facebook. Look me up there, follow or send a friend's request. Although sometimes I think those friend's requests are salespeople from other yeah. countries. So I 
careful about that. Mm-hmm. But um, that's where I hang out the most. That's where you get the most nitty gritty what's happening right now stuff, just like yours probably. Yes. And I have a TikTok for all my videos. I have 60,000 likes, I think, on all my videos. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm on TikTok. Just put Susie Harrison and look for the blonde with the purple thing. I try to keep those pictures consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's at Notoriously Sue on TikTok or just search for my name. And I'm on Twitter just for, you know, promoting the videos. All my video, most of my videos are on there. And that's at Notoriously Sue. And I got a blue check mark. Awesome. Great. On her- <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm so glad you were able to come on and uh, share this with us. And, and just- Oh, and then there's Amazon Central. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Where you just click on my name if you look me up on Amazon and it'll take you to my page. It doesn't have all my books. I think it's got like maybe 20 to 30 listed, but I haven't included my Vela's. And okay. Awesome. And I have a Linktree. Linktree, Susie Harrison. Okay. So, and when you said Sue, is it S-U-E or just S-U? S-U-E. S-U-E. Okay. Very good. Notoriously, however spell check tells you how to spell that. (laughs) S-U-E. I know. I should know how to spell everything perfectly. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because sometimes when I'm typing and I'm like, wait a minute, that word just does not look right to me. No, it doesn't look right. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think everybody's familiar with that of sometimes, and sometimes it can be easy words that it's like, I can't believe I can't think of how that is spelled. And (laughs) we do that to ourselves sometimes and everybody has that happen. And spell check puts in something totally different. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I do a lot of interest in and you're like, oh, they think I'm not an author now. <laughs> right. They don't think I know the difference between there, there, and there. Oh, and I have my own abbreviations and my own dictionary. You know, I write fantasy, so I mean there are times I have to create words, you know. Right. And also when I when I'm messaging people, I don't worry about it, but I use the T H O for though. Oh, T H O T for thought. It's my abbreviation because I don't want to write T H O U G T H. Yeah. Or T. So, and I put through T H R U because I don't want to, you know, spell out the whole thing. You're messaging. You want to keep it short and simple. Right. And one of my girlfriends always, she really thought I didn't know how to spell thought. (laughs) She kept telling me, Google that word, Susie. You might be surprised. And I'm like, yeah, Google that word in Susie Q's dictionary, and you might be surprised. <laughs> That's right. That's funny. That's a great story. <laughs> well, I know, because I do a lot of speech to text, send things out, and um, sometimes it doesn't make any sense, or it's not even remotely close to what it's supposed to be. So I have, right. I have that same problem. Well, yeah. thank you for coming on, and I want to let the readers know we're going to be listening to Kidnapping Emma. And that's and if any readers, I'll give away three copies of a Kindle to in you know, you can download it to your laptop and read it. You don't need a Kindle. Awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll give away three ebooks. I mean, I'd like it to be kidnapping Emma, but if they see something else, just let you know and I'll make sure they three people get a ebook. Awesome. So I guess uh, come to my uh, website at Facebook. Cherish lively, and um, then I can pass that along to Susie if, if that might be the easiest. So Facebook is at Cherish Lively. Message me there, or, or make a little uh, 
note. I, I can actually make a thing on the f Facebook that you guys can just tag yourself or add a comment there. That might be good. Can I mention one more thing? Yes. I have a project going on. Maybe I can call it the great experiment where I'm actually transferring my, my darker romance velas and I'm I have to transfer them into Kindle eBooks and paperbacks so that I can move them to audibles. And this month right now, Jack Callahan, who's a pretty notorious male narrator with a very smooth voice mm -hmm. is going and he knows how to dual read you know, men and women. Well, uh -huh. he is now reading just desserts and it should be available probably mid February or at least by the end. And that is a, a typical contemporary dark romance. Oh, awesome. Like I explained earlier. Mm -hmm. So there, there may be some triggers, but I don't go as far as things like breath play or, you know, whips and chains. That's just not me. Right. Uh, but it's more of the bad boy becoming obsessed with the good girl that he was there to trick, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And it ends up really a romance at the end. Mm -hmm. And you get the happy, you know, the HEA. And then right now I'm working on just desserts. I, I'm transferring that over from Bella. And the, that one's going to be, the first book's going to be on sale on Tuesday for free. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a duet. That is going to Win Ross and Kai Kinnicott, who are famous in the romance genre on audibles and they'll be reading that in March and in the land of good and evil, which is already available on Amazon is going to Teddy Hamilton. who's very, very famous because he's, Oh, really nice. Yeah. And that's going to them this summer. Okay. And eventually I will get to blood rain because that's absolutely one of my favorite books I've ever written. Awesome. Well, you, it sounds like uh, if anybody starts following you, they will have a long time that they can be reading and just constantly finding something new from you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those with us. And it is exciting. And I wish you good luck with all of those. And we'll have to have you on again um, when some of that stuff gets published and we can kind of advertise it through, through here. Yeah. That would be awesome. And I didn't get to spend a lot of time Telling you how I how I looked at some of your books and I admire your work that you did with um, Thomas, Doctor Thomas. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he is a great man, and you know I talked to him for the interview and I read his book and I just loved it. And you know I thought he is such a wonderful guy working with prisoners, and everybody loves him. And I like Liam too. Yeah. I, I haven't seen him a lot lately because he does the lower promos, but Liam was also really great when I first got there. And so was Tom, you know, they're great at welcoming you to Vela, you know, and getting you to know all the ropes. So there's just a lot of good people. You, Tom, Liam, Kate, you know, yeah. <laughs> it is nice to be around people who I, I think we all do want to encourage each other and, and we don't feel like I have to be more successful you know, because it's like, I know I've seen posted, we can all make it. We can all do well, you know. I enjoy making another person feel encouraged It more than myself. So if I see somebody on the rankings ahead of me, like if you go to the top 250. Yeah. 
and then I see the promo reads, you would think, oh, I don't want to promo read them. They'll get more reads and they'll be ahead of me. No, I want them to do well. Yeah, You have to have that heart to genuinely care for people like yes. you mm-hmm. and want the best for everyone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank you for coming on so many times with this <laughs> continuing to, to just have uh, technical difficulties. So I'm going to hold my breath. And, and I just tell my boys, oh, I have another date with Karen this morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, just, I about died when I was like, I can. It didn't save. I was like, are you kidding me? So, so thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. Kidnapping Emma by Susie Harrison. Chapter one. Emma. I was utterly shocked. First, I heard footsteps on the pavement running in my direction. There was a blur of a man, a darker suit, and my driver's side door suddenly flinged open. What the freaking A? Had this guy not seen me laying down in the back of my Acadia with several 40-pound mulch bags? Before I could even remove my shock to ask him if he had, I saw his dark curly hair, my green eyes meeting his dreamy hazel ones. There was a moment there, I thought. Then he actually turned my car on and started driving away with me in my vehicle. Um, hello. Can't you get your own ride? Because this one is mine. I could call you an Uber, you know. I half sarcastically snapped at my carjacker. I was laying down on my stomach, leaning up between the two front seats. Handy. My phone was in the back pocket of my skinny jeans. I pulled it out and offered it to him sarcastically, thinking he might call an Uber. That was stupid. Abruptly, he turned around, shocked in his own right. My fleeting thought was, why would a fancy-looking guy with black gloves like this need to borrow someone's car? Ah, damn, you can't identify me. Crap, give me that stupid phone, he cursed. While still driving, his right-gloved hand grabbed my LG and tossed it on my front passenger seat floorboard. In my awkward position, I could never find a way up there to get it. Then, almost at lightning speed, his big arm flipped back and he grabbed a fistful of my ash-blonde hair. My head was slammed into the hard console between the front seats. I could feel the bite. My face had been flung down and now pressed against the back of the median and cup holder. I could get no further view of him. That momentary glance would be all I had to identify him to law enforcement. Just ten minutes earlier, I had been struggling with forty-pound mulch bags for my garden. They didn't look that heavy, until I had excused the cart boy at Walmart for helping me. I had to pull down and recline all the seats in the back of my Acadia and make room for them, even though I was fairly strong at thirty. My smaller frame was competition for the soil for my garden. My longer hair kept getting in the way, tugging at my roots. I finally managed to pull the last bag of garden soil from the cart through the rear hatchback. I fell flat on my back in my SUV. I lie there facing up, in the back of my vehicle, flustered. I turn onto my stomach, twisting my legs against the heavy sacks. That had been when I'd heard the footsteps coming closer and closer to my vehicle, and the alarm bells went off in my head. I had pulled myself up closer to the front seats to the median in between to catch a view. Perhaps it was the clerk coming back to help me. But no, it wasn't the clerk. I had only briefly saw a man 
in a suit with a duffel bag. He was urgent and quick, coming straight for what must have looked like a vacant car as I was not in an upward position. Was he a mobster? And now, here we are. Just stay down, Missy. You can't see me. The guy sounded more gentlemanly now as my forehead was being pressed hard against the solid plastic center. Well, dang, a little too late. What's the point? Look, you can just drop me off at the nearest Starbucks or even a library and be on your way. I can wait an hour and have my people come to get me. You know? I attempted to think on my feet, as I could feel my vehicle turn, travel on main roads, and even obey traffic signals. Not a chance, darling. You'll have 911 called before I get out of the city limits. And as far as letting you sit up? I can see you now trying to finger the word help backwards on your window to traffic at the stoplight. Just hang in there until I can think. I heard him snicker at the reference. I found the visual funny myself, but wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of a chuckle. I'm not dyslexic. If I tried to use my hand to write a word backward, I just have to keep swiping the moisture off my window to redo it over and over. A driver next to me would be shrugging and not understand. I quipped at my own humor. Your people. Who are you? A famous movie star or something? I heard a bit of playfulness in his voice as well. Kind of. At least in my hometown. But I would give you an hour before I call. Just hush. Let me think. My chauffeur quieted me. I let him have the last word for now, as I considered all my options. However, I realized the less we chatted, the more I was aware of how far we were traveling. The man said city limits, which means he was headed out of Reno. Which direction? Was it too late for me to try to calculate all the initial turns and stops? I lived in Gardnerville, south of Reno, in the hills where it snows. I wanted to cover my garden before winter hit. Were we now traveling north or south? I didn't know. Um, Mr. Kidnapper, could you loosen up a bit on my head? My forehead hurts and my eyes feel puffy. You're twice my size and I don't work out at a gym, so you're good. You really are, I requested and encouraged. It was true I didn't work out, but I was a swimmer several days a week. There was a grunt, but then I felt his hand ease up a bit so it wasn't so painful. I could hear we were on a freeway or highway. I felt the speed underneath me. I could only hope we were headed in a direction that was closer to home, south. You really don't understand the gravity of this, girl. If you had been a man, protocol is you would already be dead. I sucked in a deep breath at his words. Maybe we could make a deal or something? I come from money. Deep inside I cringed, realizing I just offered myself as a hostage as opposed to death, but then added without thinking. I don't know. They may not pay much, if anything, to get me back. I'm not interested in money. I have that. Why would your family not want you back? Are you trouble or something, doll? My driver inquired. I could hear a grin on his face. Well, yes, and no. I'm just an asset they could care less for. They wouldn't miss me, and I wouldn't miss them either. What was I doing having a personal conversation with a mafia man? I didn't really know if he was a mobster but would just go with that for now. Making connections with him might actually play in my favor. So, you're a spoiled little rich girl who wants to escape her entitled life? I gasped. Not because he was rude, but because he was right. Sort of. How did he know? How did I know? I know because I'm observant. 
I can see your photos floating down from your rearview mirror. Your wallet is open on the passenger seat. I see all the high-end credit cards. I see you. Maybe he was a smart, wise guy. Hey, my name is Emma. My friends call me M or Emmy, so you can call me Emma, not Missy. That's not my name. I tried to change the subject, but then I had to add, you'd really kill me? I'm trying to avoid that, Emma. I just have to think of another solution. I don't want to hurt you. My new carpool partner didn't calm my worries. Are you in the mob or something? You're in a black suit. You wear all dark colors. You're wearing those gloves. You kidnapped me and stole my car, and now you're thinking of burying me in the desert. If you're just going to kill me anyway, you can tell me. I show him how observant I am as well. Missy, I mean Emma, a young woman in your position shouldn't be giving out ideas on how to hide your body. I suppose that's an option, though. Thank you. The boss might have some spots ready. Then he chuckled lightheartedly. I know what you look like. Those dreamy hazel eyes are nice. But that dark brown curly hair look is a bit dated. Might want to do something about that. Unless, of course, it's a requirement in your line of work. I quipped back. Perhaps I should have been more frightened. But as threatening as this entire situation was, ironically, I didn't believe he really wanted me dead. I was getting uncomfortable. My short legs were twisted up against the mulch, cutting off my circulation. My head really started to ache. I wondered when his fist would be cramped from gripping my hair against the cup holder. Ooh, I got a leg cramp. I cried out, trying to sound desperate. It worked. A few seconds later, I could feel the vehicle slow and turn. It must have been a dirt road, because I could feel the bumpiness. I hoped it wasn't sand, but then again, my all-wheel drive could probably manage that. My handler probably knew this. He drove a ways, and thoughts of being buried in the desert suddenly concerned me. I observed the vehicle come to a slow stop. My carjacker untangled his fists from my long locks before I could lift my head and rub out the knots. He'd left the car and moved around to the passenger back door. He opened it, and I got a full view of him. You know, for a lineup. My breath caught. He would have been a nice catch if he wasn't a murderer. I know you've already seen me. No point in hiding that now, the vandal informed as he moved in to view my tangled legs. You are in quite a twist, aren't you? He moved in, and I bent my waist to watch him as he began moving my limbs around to correct their position. I expected him to be rough, even mean, but he wasn't at all. He even paused for a moment to rub my calf a bit to restore the blood supply. Someone like that isn't going to kill me, I didn't think. I was surprised when he suddenly took my feet and pulled me back, up and out of the car to stand. Sadly, my legs were asleep now, and they felt like noodles as I started to drift to the ground. My car enthusiast pulled his arms under mine quickly to hold me up for a moment, so I didn't land on the dirt. I could feel his warm chest on mine. My body leaned into his for support. I didn't do that on purpose, I swear. My body was trying to fall, and it fell on him. Hold on. Let the blood circulate. Try to wiggle your toes. I was relieved he didn't think I was trying to take advantage of him. I viewed our surroundings. I could see we were way off the highway between Reno and Carson. The old railroad tracks were probably five miles off the main road. If I attempted to book it from here, it would be difficult in my stylish little boots in the sand. Of course, I had to try. 
So as he held me, almost tenderly, as soon as I felt my limbs recover, I jolted to escape. My legs moved first quickly, but then slowed. They hadn't been ready for that kind of movement yet. Meanwhile, my carjacker tackled me. I fought him, hit him, and even tried the five-finger death punch. It didn't matter. I felt like a child trying to fight a parent and ended up tackled on the ground. Me on my back, him on top of me. Not a good position if he were a rapist, but I didn't think he could be. But then again, I'd never met one. What were you trying to do? Poking your little fingers in my chest. What was that about? My man inquired with a curious and quite handsome grin. Um, the five-finger death punch, but it didn't work. I avoided his eyes and looked away in defeat. That's because you weren't trained by the master, Uma. It's Emma, I corrected. He stood up over me, and while reaching out a hand to help me up, he said, Town is 15 miles north. The man was pointing in each direction as he spoke. Carson City is 35 miles south. You're in the desert and aren't dressed or supplied for long wilderness travel. If you think you can make it walking with cramped legs and cute little heeled boots, without getting killed by exposure all alone, be my guest. His arms scanned the desolate landscape. I knew he was right. On the other hand, that would solve my problem. I cringed a bit as he began walking back to my car without me. I tried walking towards him, clumsily. No, don't leave me alone out here. You just can't, I pleaded and reached for my kidnapper, but I couldn't quite run yet. Better the enemy you know than the rattlers, thirst, and coyotes you don't. He turned around, walked back towards me, and helped me back into my car. He opened the back passenger door and pulled up the seat. I watched him open the front passenger door and get something. As I reluctantly accepted my fate, he made a sudden movement and I jumped out of reflex. Calm down. I was just seatbelting you in. Safety first. Your windows here are far more tinted. You'll be mostly out of view. It's safer for me that way, and you can sit up like a human being, the stranger explained. I nodded. I didn't jump before I realized the sound of duct tape as he quickly taped around higher on my arms so I couldn't get out of the car. I looked at him quizzically. Nor can I have you jumping out of a vehicle traveling 64 miles per hour on the highway. You could die trying that. He backed up and gazed into my eyes again, giving me another choice. But that too would solve my problem, just not yours. Either or. It's an either or question. I again didn't fight him when he taped me minimally to the seat. I just had movement and even realized I had enough room to even sip a drink or eat something. He wasn't being harsh. The mobster then drove us back on the main road. I could see my obituary. Emma Stone Whitman, 31, is survived by her husband Bradley Whitman, 47, also survived by her twins, age 13, Taylor and Tiffany, who attend Blessed Hoped boarding school during the school season. Emma was found on the other side of the freeway after being thrown from her stolen vehicle, traveling at high speeds. No one misses her. I'm going to turn on some music to help me think this through. I see you have a CD marked Oldies. That might calm my mind for a solution. My concern was that you could identify me in Reno this morning. That's it. Trust is not a thing we rely on in our line of work. You're a lovely girl. I just don't know how to proceed. The handsome man looked back at me with his finger to his lips, as if to tell me to hush for a while. 
He put on my uncle's old CD with bands like Aerosmith and the Eagles. You might call me too. I grew up listening to him playing that all the time. Chapter 2. Emma. As he continued to drive and the music played, I thought of my miserable life. Was I crying? Weeping was against the family rules. This fella didn't seem all that dangerous. He hadn't expected me when he invaded my driver's seat with his black duffel bag. He had tenderness in his voice from time to time, at least after his initial shock that he wasn't alone in my car. I wish I had a name to go with that oddly charming face. I began thinking of my 30-year existence on this earth. I was lucky to still look 20. I never really lived my own life. I had been married off by my uncles and my mom to a competitor's son of Whitman Motors. He was way older than me, and a jerk. Our marriage somehow turned Stone Motors into Stone Whitman Motors, and Brad took over running it. I guess keeping me in the family was important for public perception, maybe for financial reasons as well. I didn't even know if Brad ever really loved me. I mean, he and I got along okay when I dated him shortly during my senior year of high school. He was okay with me on my wedding night. Brad got it over quickly, to my relief. A little pain and it was done. We'd done our duty to the family. Of course. I don't really know what I was doing on my honeymoon. I soon found it was something I didn't have to worry about. Brad would mount me and be done in a few minutes. I didn't understand what all the fuss was about. Married off right after graduation at 17. It was my entire family's goal we would have sons right away to continue the Stone Whitman name. When my father died when I was 12 from a car accident, it was horrible. I almost thought of Brad as a father figure in those first few years of marriage, since he was 16 years my senior. Did I ever have a choice? I never got to date around and fall in love or even get heartbroken. I was not allowed to go out with boys, not even to the prom. My mom and uncles were not going to let me get deflowered before the family agreement had been achieved. I often wondered what it would have been like to be on a real date with a guy. How would I know if he liked me? Would he pull out the chair for me at a restaurant? Open the car door for me? Of course, Brad was all over me for the first few months until it confirmed I was pregnant. When we found out it was twins, everyone was thrilled because one of them at least had to be a boy. So superficial my family circle was. I was naive back then, but figured out my role quickly. The nanny, the maid, the chauffeur, the cook, the nurse, and after my boob job, the trophy wife. I never thought of myself as anything but the girl next door. Apparently, to everyone else, I was a real beauty, perfect for showing off in the dealership, in ads, and in commercials. I just wanted to be like my friends. I wanted to live an ordinary life with no big expectations but loads of adventure. I know my chores were all any housewife's mundane responsibilities. I did. Brad never valued me. There was never any deep emotion for him. The words, I love you, only were spoken at the end of a phone call from his office when customers were there. Our family pictures on his desk were always displayed for all to see. Behind closed doors, Brad was cold and distant. I even wondered if he only saw me as a stepping stone when he married me. He did love our kids, but for some reason he felt he had to compete with me to be the winner of their affection. While I set the rules, schedules, and chores, when Daddy came home, he brought game consoles, toys, and treats. He won. They thought he was a god. Sadly, they had become like him, shallow, distant, and greedy. I was just a hall monitor when he was home. 
When he came home from company meetings, often with way too much alcohol on his breath, he would just get on top of me. A few moments later, he was done. I became disgusted over time when he touched me. It had been a relief that, as he got older, he didn't bother me at all. It had been an exceptionally long time, and that was a reprieve for me. I heard once, if you don't have sex in seven years, you're a virgin again. Not true, probably, but very funny. I tried to instruct the kids from birth to learn to be kind to others, not be shallow, and the value of hard work. But when Brad got home, he just flowered them with gifts, defeating the purpose. My father was more like me, but my mother was like the rest of them. Put on your best appearance at all times. Always be polite, to a fault. You never knew when one might be a customer at the lot one day. The highlight of my life was when the company filmed a commercial for television of Stone Whitman Brands. Brad, me, and the twins were featured in it. I even got a role, much to Brad's dismay. It was exciting. When the producers pulled me forward in front of Brad to say a few words, it was euphoric. My 15 minutes of the only fame I'd ever have. Well, it was more like 15 seconds. Kind of like sex with Brad. Everything in my life outside of the house was pre-planned and prepared, and there was little room for error. My trip today was just the occasional glimpse of freedom, at least until I was carjacked. I looked out the window at the desert as we drove. We were headed for Carson now. Was that this man's destination? I was contemplating all this time to escape from him, but it never occurred to me that maybe he could help me escape from them. He had said he didn't want to hurt me. Going back to the review of my life, I recalled that no one was allowed to have any emotions, even at that time of the month. I had to be a robot to please everyone in my life, and I wasn't selfish. I didn't mind caring for my arranged husband. Although I still looked noticeably young for my age, inside I could feel my life slipping away before I would ever have a chance to live one for myself. When I was a child, I dreamed of doing so many things seeing so many places, and going on adventures, and I never even had a chance to date. I had to escape. I wanted to make spontaneous decisions, you know, live on the fly. As the years went by, I knew Brad would have the occasional affair. When he would come home in the wee hours of the morning, smelling like whore all over him, I just said nothing. It was my lot. If I left my lousy excuse for a husband, he'd surely take the kids in any divorce. Of course, When Brad insisted that they attend Blessed Hope Academy, they were gone nine months out of the year anyway. It was already like a custody agreement. I should have left then. If I had, my family and my own mother would have shunned me. The kids were older now, and just like Brad, they wouldn't even care if I left on a trip to a retreat. Just left. I didn't have any job skills for the outside world, other than perhaps answering the phones at a dealership so I always stayed put like a good little girl. Sometimes when the house was quiet and Brad was out, I would just cry myself to sleep, watching my life turn into nothingness. Silent tears are what I called that. It's not that offers didn't come along. Throughout my years married to Brad, there was an occasional family friend like Nick. He would spend far too much time at company Christmas parties with me. He was closer in age, probably more my type. Not that Brad had noticed. One year, Nick even professed his love for me and said if I would leave Brad, he had plenty of money to help me get the kids and get on my feet. 
There was Cameron, or Cam. I went to school with him since kindergarten. He would have been the boy that I would have liked to date and maybe even marry. After my dad died, Cam came around, and for a few years, we used to play catch and baseball together. I remember my first kiss was with Cam under a willow tree at the park. Sadly, my fate was planned out on a cocktail napkin at my parents' 10th wedding anniversary party. For the last five years, I secretly had been dreaming of running away from my life. The kids were now headed into their superficial teen years. They were closer to Brad. I was just their maid now. I was still young enough to discover the world, or at least travel the country and enjoy myself. I was carded every time I bought a bottle of wine for dinner, even a pack of cigarettes for my uncle once. I looked out the window. I could see the landmarks as we were getting close to Carson City. I was getting closer to my home, which was about 30 miles south of Carson. Suddenly, I felt a gloom. Though I never liked Reno, I felt free today, on my own. Uh, Mr. Kidnapper, how much farther? You know, I live in Gardnerville. You could drop me out a mile or two from town. I could walk home. I was aware at that point I sounded like a six-year-old asking if we were there yet. Wait, here was my chance. Did I want to go home? I muttered quietly. Or you could keep me. What was that? His hazel eyes had a questioning gleam in them when he looked back at my direction. Now, he didn't look threatening at all. Nothing, just talking to myself. I was pretty sure he heard me. The tape is hurting the skin of my arm. I couldn't move the other arm to itch it. Then I realized I had just enough give that my hand could pull the tape up a bit. But before I moved, I thought I'd say something. I got it. I just didn't want to make any sudden moves so, you know, you had to shoot me or anything. I was assessing him for a reaction to see how dangerous he really was. The man hadn't talked rough to me. He hadn't come off like a psycho killer. On the other hand, I had never met a psycho killer. My handsome chauffeur chuckled under his breath. Look, I had no idea you were in the car. Had you not been, you would have just reported your car stolen. The next day, the law would have found your car in Carson unharmed. I'm actually sorry we're in this position. I'm just unsure how to rectify this situation. I could almost see him mulling over his options, whatever they were. Carson was just 20 minutes away from my home in Gardnerville. This time I snickered under my breath. What? he inquired. Well, you slammed my head down so quick and hard that my forehead hit the back of the cup holder. I think my face is already swollen and bruised. So... Kind of hard to think I'm totally safe, you know. The bruise on my forehead is probably draining under my eyes. You know, giving me black eyes. It was true. I had a bit of a headache, and my eyes had been feeling a little puffy the longer we drove. Ah, damn. You're kidding me. I haven't caught a break since I met you. I'm sorry about that. And he slowed a little. He shifted his engaging eyes towards me, and I could see by his expression my guess had been correct. This is going to make things a little more problematic. Crap. How are you feeling now? He slammed his drink down into the cup holder. I hoped it didn't get a black eye, too. Does a psycho killer ask his victim if they're feeling okay? A bit of a headache, but just a dull one. Why are things more complicated? I had to ask. If I left you in Carson City, when you had police contact, you couldn't have identified me. That would have been a beneficial. That's off the table now. But if I let you go with your face like that, no matter what you say to law enforcement, they will believe you've not only had your car stolen, 
that you've been assaulted. Perhaps even rape kit test you. Those aren't pleasant. I heard him curse under his breath. Holy crap. I didn't want that. How did he know so much about the law? What's the difference? I pondered aloud. If your car were just stolen, they'd look for it. Maybe find it the next day. I'd be gone. If you have injuries, it will become a manhunt immediately. I should have followed protocol right away. I just didn't. He slammed his elbow into the car door as if angry. Didn't what? I asked more carefully and softly. Have the heart to do it. His eyes darted around, not only to view the Carson traffic, but as if to find a solution. What's the protocol? I asked even softer. Afraid of the answer. My head leaned to the side as he turned his hazel irises to look at me. I gazed into them, frightened. His eyes softened. There was a look exchanged in that moment. My mind was seriously aware now. I was supposed to have died. But then he looked away and back at traffic. You would have done that to me? I whispered. My chauffeur glanced back, only for a second, and didn't answer. What am I going to do with you? There was frustration in his voice. Can you tell me just one thing? I would never repeat it, but it would help me, I said sweetly, hoping to call him. What do I call you? An odd time to ask a name. He might have to kill me now, and that was obvious. If I could call him by a name, there would be a deeper connection. That would be to my benefit. I'm Jackson. I knew he was probably lying, but at least I had something to address him as before he had to snuff out my life. You're a beautiful girl. That doesn't make my life easier. Jackson didn't look my way as the street light turned green. What was Jackson doing in a suit, joyriding in my car, to get to another city? What had he done in Reno that made him want to leave a car here and bring a vehicle back? I didn't know. There was a long silence as we started driving into Carson City limits. The speed limit slowed, and so did my vehicle. Jackson seemed to be following one mile under the speed limit at all times. Jackson kept glancing back at me, sometimes tender, sometimes questioningly. As we got within a mile of town, Jackson looked at me with compassion. You have seen me. You know I came from Reno. You're all damaged and bruised. What am I going to do with you? Jackson breathed solemnly. Don't. I had a revelation. I tenderly and softly drifted my voice his way. You don't have to kill me. I'm not your enemy, but... Jackson kept his gaze on me, waiting. Don't drop me off or bump me off, Jax. I don't want to go home. Keep me. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I hope you enjoyed Kidnapping Emma by Susie Harrison. To keep up with various novels and authors, you can follow me on My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively. Or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Goodbye.